Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou Weiss, um, my co-host, and I were just having some fun with Dr. Chris Keel pre-show because he's who we are interviewing today, and Chris is uh, a guy who's got a great sense of humor uh, and an economist as well. I don't know which carries more weight, but for us, it's a sense (laughs) of humor. Uh, Chris, as always, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. It's it's a new year, and it's just all going to be completely different because we know it is every year. You know, it's like <clears throat> all of our resolutions are going to be observed to the letter, and and it's it's a new. Well, never mind. Um, <laughs> it's going to look a lot like last year, but we'll just pretend it won't. <laughs> well, that means we don't have to have you on the show for the next twelve months. You already <laughs> you the you year. can just repeat the ones we did earlier. You know, I mean, it's the old sound minus one. Yeah, exactly. Minus one person in DC. We don't talk politics, so I'm not mentioning names. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Dr. Chris Keel, he does the Credit Managers Index Report from the National Association of Credit Managers that you can find at NACM.org. And we always like to find out what the credit managers are doing behind the scenes besides tearing their hair out. How are they doing, Chris? (laughs) <laughs> They're doing pretty well, and for those who are not familiar with the CMI or not familiar with what credit managers do, just a quick preface before we get into this month's report. The credit managers are the ones that handle trade credit. Sometimes people confuse these guys with bankers and lenders. They're not. These are the people that when you go to buy a machine or you're going to buy inventory or whatever, they're the ones that are going to determine how long you have to pay for this. So you decide that you want to buy a new machine. They give you 120 days, 180 days, you know, depending on your credit rating and all the rest of that. So they're kind of the gatekeepers to the big expensive purchases that manufacturers are want to do. And it's also going to show up with inventory and the like. So what that means for the profession as a whole is that they tend to be future-oriented. They don't really care what's happening with your business today because you don't owe them money today. Um, You will owe them money in 180, 120 days. So they're always looking out ahead saying, okay, great, I'm glad you're starting the new year in good shape. You will owe me money in May. You will owe me money in June. So what shape will you be in then? So they have a tendency to be predictive as a group, and that's one of the reasons we've looked at the CMI for years is that it gives you a little bit of advance warning as to what's going to come. Last year was absolutely nuts. We had tremendous drops in the spring. We had a recovery after that, which sent the numbers sky high. Now we have finally settled down to something of a more familiar pattern, and it's a pretty encouraging one. We look at two different things when we look at the index. One is what we call the favorables. The other are the unfavorables. The favorables are things like numbers of applications for credit, the dollar collections part, how much money are they actually bringing in. 
how much credit they're giving out, sales, things like that. Those have all gotten very healthy. We have the same index that the PMI has. So anything over 50 is positive. Anything under 50 is negative. And right now, we're looking at numbers that are in the 60s, even breaking into 70s. So that's very healthy. The unfavorables have been a little less healthy, but are recovering too. These are things like bankruptcies and accounts out for collection and slow pays and projections of credit applications. Those have been hovering in the high 40s, low 50s. So barely either below that breaking point at 50 or barely above it. So we're certainly seeing some companies that are suffering more than others. But as a rule, manufacturing has been doing quite well and has come out of the COVID year in much better shape than the service side, which we've been watching all year. So the CMI numbers just bear that out. So there you go. Everything you always wanted to know about the CMI, but we're afraid to ask. <laughs> well, I, I, I've been having uh, uh, an issue uh, this past year. Um, we're in manufacturing, uh, all metals and forge group. We produce uh, uh, steel uh, forge products and uh, rear uh, gears and rings and so on and so forth. And uh, from our from our side, and within the manufacturing sector, you have the, the SIC codes and the NAICS mm-hmm. codes, which break down the numbers into the various industries, which uh, I gather your report does not do, only the ISM does. No, no. We That's look at manufacturing much more generally. Right. So when we look at the ISM number, um, and their numbers are looking good. Really looking mm-hmm. good, uh, but there are certain sectors that aren't doing really good. And right. The number is in in my mind the number is a, is a little bit slanted because the good industries are outweighing the bad industries, and the bad industries go unnoticed. And frankly, mm-hmm. manufacturing, the way I see it, is not doing as well as uh, we should be uh, at this point in time. It really uh, depends, like you said, on the sector, and and that's one of the frustrating things about manufacturing. It's frustrating with services, too, because you lump in so many different sectors into one. So when you're talking about manufacturing, it's like, well, you know, airplanes are manufactured, so are those little plastic clog things that you wear in the garden, And, and those don't generally move in the same direction. It's kind of like, well, well, it's obvious the manufacturing is doing well. Look at Boeing, and look at the clogs. What? Uh, they're not even close. I mean, they're they're totally yeah. separate. Same with services. Services counts people who are servers at a restaurant and lawyers. You know, so unless you've got a lot of moonlighting lawyers, or you know, it's just they're they're too broad. What has happened with manufacturing, and this is something to watch for the coming spring, is that as consumers were cut off from the services that they normally spent money on, they began to use their money to buy things. And those things have been what's been sustaining the economy. What we're wondering now is that when those services come back and the lockdowns lift and the pandemic's under control, 
will the consumer go screaming back to buying services and abandoning the manufacturing stuff? Have they bought enough stuff? And it's being referred to as the great divergence that money will start going back into what it used to be spent on because, frankly, people did all the buying of stuff they needed to last year. At least that's one theory. I don't know that that's the case, but that could affect automobiles. It could affect RVs. We sold more RVs last year than we've ever sold in a single year. Well, has everybody that wanted an RV got one now? And so if so, are they going to buy more this year? Probably not. I mean, it's not like you may have to replace those plastic clogs pretty often, but not usually the RV. <laughs> so that's those well, are the well, big it's kind questions. Of, it's kind of interesting. And I actually, from a personal aspect, I have a question to ask you. Uh, medical, doctors, what sector are mm-hmm. they in of the services? They're in services. Right, but what sector? Under medical? They are generally, even then it gets split out because you're going to have services in the medical sector that are considered, I guess essential would be as as good a term as any, but there's, Mm. even when they were looking at at the beginning of the pandemic, certain medical areas were shut down. You couldn't go to your dentist. You couldn't go to get plastic surgery. You couldn't do anything elective. And the only thing that was being left was either treating COVID or, okay, okay, if you have a heart attack, come on. You know, I mean, we're going to have to deal with you. <laughs> yeah. You'd rather not, but, <laughs> but if you have to. I mean, it's just, you know, stagger on in here. We'll do what we can. Um, but if you were trying to get your eyelashes lengthened, you know, that, that was going to have to wait. Well, to your point about dentists, so I started off this year with a set of legal papers in my mail on Saturday advising me that the dental firm just filed bankruptcy (laughs) for $7 million, and uh, of course, I owe him money. I'm sorry, he owes me money because I gave him a large deposit. So I'm right, starting right. out the year already in the minus. Exactly. Well, just remember already that back in the old days, barbers were also dentists. So we can always go back to that. I mean, you know. <laughs> we could do that. But we're not allowed <laughs> as long to do that. As long as you've got a good pair of pliers, you're in business, you know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the new year starts. Um, so I, that, and the point, first of all, the point that I was really trying to make is things are, things are bad when you start hearing that these, that dental practices are going out of business. Mm-hmm. People would rather lose their teeth, have to risk other health issues and not go to the dentist to the point that they're going out of business. I was in a state of shock. Oh, it, it's it's interesting too. Also, that the the joys of competition, because an awful lot of the practices over the years, and this has been an ongoing issue for manufacturers, is that as medicine decentralized, you had an awful lot of of new facilities springing up in the suburbs, and they of course are buying all kinds of equipment, but they don't have the protection of that centralization that existed in the past, and so they're behaving like businesses. They go out of business, go into business, 
you know, I've I've seen dentists merging. My old dentist split apart and merged with somebody else, and you know, it's just all of it is is behaving according to the same competitive rules that you have with a restaurant or a sub shop. Yeah. It's just that we're not used exactly. to that being the case with medicine. And it's kind of like, excuse me, what happens if you're in the middle of an operation and you go bankrupt? Um, do you finish? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you might have to get a, uh, a pre-payment from the client, patient, before you start, and then you return it to them. Exactly. Either that right. or you get, you get the, the temps, you know, the guys that come in to transition from one thing to the other, and it's like, excuse me, I'm taking over your heart surgery now. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I used to be a mechanic. Yeah, Look, yeah it's not that different. You know, so. uh, what's different than that in the carburetor? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> as near as I can tell, your, your fuel injectors are clogged, and we'll just go from there. We'll just blow them out. So we are living in an unusual world, even to the point that talk shows can start getting silly. Uh, but we enjoy we enjoy it anyway. That's, that's exactly so, right. And, and so, what do you, what do you think is where are we going? What's happening? I, in many respects, I think this will be almost a mirror image year. Um, if you go back to the beginning of 2020, we started off fine first quarter was doing okay. We had all the necessary advantages, 3.5% unemployment, growing at about 2.5-3%. This year is going to be exactly the opposite. We're going to start out crummy. Uh, first quarter isn't going to be a lot different than last year, but it'll get progressively better, um, partly because you're going to see progress on the pandemic front probably a lot slower than people anticipated because not only do you have to get to a point where the pandemic is is stopped or slowed but then you're going to have to have governments making the decision that it's okay to open up again and that will be slow too by the second half of the year i think a lot of of so-called normalcy will have returned as you get to that point, I think the pent-up demand factor becomes very important. There's a lot of discussion that people are going to rush to do the things they used to do once they're allowed to. So restaurants should recover and the rest. The, the thing that will be interesting is that most of the businesses that were shut down are businesses that can easily come back to life in some form or another like restaurants. We have seen restaurants open and close constantly anyway. So as the trade begins, you'll see new restaurants popping up where the old restaurants used to be. The bigger question is going to be whether the consumer feels like returning to those old habits. Will they start going to events again, or are they content with watching everything at home on their TV? I have a suspicion that people want to go back to their old patterns, at least for a while, and then we'll start to see how long that carries into the year. But I'm confident that 2021 will end up in pretty good shape, but it's not going to start in very good shape. Well, that's about where we are right now, so uh, we need to get a running start uh, mm -hmm. in March, and then... Uh, hope for the best. Uh, yep, exactly. They have some effect, the fact that they have a vaccine now, uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. They can only get it into people's arms and quit jerking around with leaving vaccines in warehouses. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it might it might help uh, the country as, as a whole. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things where as much as one tries to prepare. I mean, one of the big hang-ups for the distributing the vaccine right now has been that people need to be trained to administer it, monitor it, you know, all that kind of stuff, and that's taking longer than people anticipated. Then you have all of the the cautionary behavior because what you don't want is to have a bunch of negative impact from the vaccine, which scares people away and trying to decide what herd immunity really means and what percentage people have to be immune. It's just uh, it's so many questions that we're very impatient for the answers. You know, we, we've waited long enough, and as a result, there's just not a lot of leeway. Um, from a political point of view, there's no real winning position. You've got one group that wants it to move a lot faster and you have another group that wants it to move slower. And and as a politician, it's like, uh, you kind of have to choice, and we hate choices. We just want everyone to love us and vote for us. And we don't want to make hard decisions. It's like, well, welcome to the real world. Uh, you're going to have to make some tough ones, and this may be your opportunity to be a one-term legislator. <laughs> so, and you go, then you go get a real job. So. <laughs> well, Chris, it certainly is going to be top turvy. I'm just curious because uh, Lou's company, All Metals and Forge Group, is the sponsor of Manufacturing Talk Radio, mm-hmm. and they're in a they're actually in primary metals because that's foundries that are producing mm-hmm. the material before Lou's company uses it in uh, in forging. And so they're in kind of the fabricated metal area and right, right. industrial machines. How is that sector doing? It seems to have been in 2020. It seems to have been slow. Is that what you've observed? It's probably slower than it would normally have been. Um, one of the things that I was trying to point out at the beginning of this last year was that we were probably heading for a fairly mild little recession in 2020 anyway before any of this started just because of the natural rhythms of the business community. I think in 2021 we start to come out of it, but the forging industry is a very dependent industry. It's dependent on big purchases. You know, you're looking at companies buying big machines and you're looking at the agricultural sector and you're looking at automotive and heavy trucks and things of that nature. It's it's not as whim-oriented as consumer products. And as a result, the decisions that are being made are longer term. What I'm hearing from a lot of the manufacturers is that they anticipate two things happening this year and into next. Number one, they think there'll be more growth. And number two, they think that growth is going to trigger a little bit of inflation enough that interest rates will start coming back up. Therefore, they want to do their purchasing now rather than wait to see their prices go up and wait to see interest rates go up. So I think by midsummer, there's going to be a lot of pressure to hurry up and do what you plan to do rather than wait because the the attitude is that the longer you wait, the more likely you are to see inflation and the more likely you are to see higher interest rates. 
and that tends to push companies to do what they intended a little sooner than they might ordinarily have wanted to, but that tends to boost the economy because people are then acting kind of advance in advance, acting proactively rather than reactively. To to your point, Chris, um, the under the ISM uh, uh, stats, uh, manufacturing inventories are low, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that if there's any kind of uptick right. in their particular business, any kind of uptick, even if they're already up, if and their inventories as a sector in itself is low, they're going to have to start making purchases. So yeah. I, I tend to <clears> agree <throat> with you about January, February. I, I'm feel hopeful that March is going to uh, improve, uh, at least as a booking month, for new products. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. And that's also part of the traditional rhythm. You don't get a lot yes, of activity in January, February as a rule anyway. Um, so this just adds to that already existing rhythm. And I think the other sure. factor is that companies and at almost all level are reluctant to go out on a limb when it comes to inventory. So they're holding back. They're going to wait for proof that there really is a recovery. And that does create bottlenecks. And bottlenecks create the pressure for inflation. We haven't seen any for quite a while. And it's going to be weird to start seeing inflation again. But even the Fed has started to murmur a little bit about whether there would be an inflationary push. And remember that we have new Fed members, at least as far as the open market committee is concerned. Every year it is a rotation. And there's four new regional Fed presidents that come on that board and replace four that leave that board. And of the four that have come in, two of them are quite dovish and would not push for higher rates. The other two, a little bit more hawkish. And there's a new permanent member uh, who was approved by the Senate right towards the end, Chris Waller, who is the head of research for the St. Louis Fed and tends to be fairly hawkish. So you're going to have a few more hawkish voices and the hawks are the ones that want to see interest rates go up so something to to be cognizant of well that uh kind of lines up with some of uh, our thinking and uh uh hopeful that uh you know that uh, mid-february march booking uh, should uh, start to happen yeah, I think you're right, and I think you're also probably going to see some of the conferences and trade shows are going to start tentatively starting to happen again, and that tends to drive business as well. I mean, a lot of the slowdown last year was that most of the salespeople weren't having the opportunities that they normally had. Um, as we we met at FabTech a few years ago, FabTech was canceled this year, and for an awful lot of these companies, that's that's when they did all their selling, is getting everybody in one place and let them all kick the tires. And it's it's hard to sell multi-hundreds of thousands of dollar machines with texts and emails. <laughs> you really kind of have Zoom? to be there. How about Zoom? 
the virtual. Yeah, you can just media. zoom or great. You know, you just <laughs> you can sort of turn say you can zoom the machine. Um, I think at some point there's there's going to be somebody who's going to find a way to actually murder a zoom right in the middle of a call. But so I keep waiting for a new Zoom TV show to come out. As many weird things as I've seen on Zoom calls, somebody has to be collecting all that. So. <laughs> oh yes, the Zoom faux pas. Oh God, it, it, some of them are just are just hysterical. You know, it's like it, it's, I'm quite sure that people have captured crime on the back of their Zoom call. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, Chris, what appears to be taking place uh, is a slow recovery. And hopefully it picks up well. I, Lou and I were just looking at each other because we watch, we connect through uh, FaceTime during these calls. Um, and you, you mentioned about trade shows, and we're going, uh uh-uh, uh, not unless there's an inoculator at the door giving me the COVID <laughs> shot. And if I don't right. drop dead by the time I hit the escalator, then it's okay. <laughs> and that well, is what I, think I, I, I get onto an airplane. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see, though, is is hybrid meetings, because I was doing conferences even last fall, um, and it was in your industry. The Foraging Industry Association had a meeting in Cleveland, and about a third to a half of the attendees were live, and the others were attending via Zoom or some other method. And I think that that will probably continue, that you're going to have people that for whatever reason, are going to attend. For example, the people who have had the shot and are going to say, look, um, I'm now, I've got a vaccine. What was the point of getting the vaccine if I still can't move from my house? So I've had the vaccine. I'm going to go to the dang trade show. I'm going to go to the restaurant. I'm going to, I'm going to go right up to my neighbor and talk to them within earshot because I've had the shot. And <laughs> So that's, you know, so that's you're, not the one you have to worry about. It's the one that no. goes to the show that didn't have the shot. Right. Exactly. And, now, and, and yeah, I mean, then that's been the problem all along. Is that you know, if, if right. this was the most insidious thing about this whole, we've talked about this before. The worst thing about COVID is the fact that so many people have it and don't know it. You know, if this had been any other self-respecting flu, there would not be a problem with this because as soon as you got it, it's like, I feel like crap, I'm staying home. And now it's like, what what COVID? I feel fine. You know, and it's like, no, you're supposed to be, you know, doubled over and you can't get more than 10 feet away from your toilet. Um, that was that was the biggest protection of all. <laughs> I'm going to circulate. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> Not unless I could bring the porta potty with me. Um, so, no, I have noticed. You know, uh, you know the, about the porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed that the CDC has no, at least not that I've seen, no breakout for people dying from the flu, people dying from pneumonia, people dying from other respiratory ailments. Everybody dies from COVID. If you have well, a heart attack, you just died from COVID. Yeah. And that's always been the problem with any of these kinds of, of viral epidemics because people don't die of the virus. They die of a disease that's been brought on by the virus. I mean, every year they've struggled with, you know, who really is a victim of the flu because the flu weakens your body. And, and it's just, it's one of those things where 
it's a contributing factor, and people say, well, it's just a contributing. Well, to be honest, cancer is a contributing factor. You know, it's like um, when I was dealing with throat cancer, it was like, well, the good news, you won't really die of cancer. You'll die of the fact that your throat will swell up and you'll asphyxiate. Oh, so so I don't really, is that supposed to be reassuring to me? Um, it's like, <laughs> no, we just thought you'd like to know, you know, that, that basically you'll choke to death, not, not die. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess that would be important for the epitaph. Check it out and see if he's uh, still in business or if he's filed bankruptcy yet. <laughs> yeah, he's still out there. He's still out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. There are two groups that don't go out of business. Lawyers and doctors and Chinese restaurants. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They, well, they never know, go out of business. Undertakers. They never go out of business either. Yeah, they, they right. do fairly well. Sometimes undertakers go under, but not often. That's right. That's right. So to speak. Ha ha. <laughs> and waiting for the drum roll, you know. So that's undertakers right. going right. under. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pumped. Well, yep. Chris, we we appreciate you joining us. Um, quite honestly, some of your commentary is really reassuring. Because as we as we talk which to one which is that? some of the it's some of the which sense of humor, which yeah, is it's nice. About because a lot in, of I, I made one interesting point, and then the rest of it was drivel. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we can enjoy the conversation, even in the worst of times, which we're not in, and hopefully we don't get. But Chris, right. again, thanks for being with us. You're so welcome, and you know, next month we can look back on the wildly successful January. <laughs> so. Yes, right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Chris. We look forward to talking to you next month. So, Lewis, not totally awful. Uh, you know, everything you and I have read over the last six, eight months, even through all the COVID and the shutdowns and the election emotion it, it is still upbeat, and we're. I wonder if we're the only guy scratching our heads, going, "Huh?" I, I, I think so. Unless we got a rash or something, uh, you know. It's, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I quite get it. And of course, I'm not an economist. And Chris Keel, uh, he's, uh, he, uh, he's, he says he's an economist. I believe it, Chris. Don't 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 think I'm putting you down. Uh, they they go by certain rules and certain systems to make certain judgments. But I don't think, and I think that it's all part of a new norm. And they're going by old methodology. But yet maybe we should be looking at different uh, structure of our uh, economy and structure of. Uh, statistics in terms of uh, industrial services and so on, because I, I really don't believe the numbers. I don't believe Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard, Lou, and so now it's up to our listeners, dear listener. Uh, since Lou and I are perplexed, let's hear from you. Shoot us an email, and let's find out, are you feeling uh, good and rosy about the economy? And tell us what industry sector you're in. Tell us how your business is doing. Let's hear from our listeners and see if they're scratching their heads like we're scratching ours, Lou. 
and maybe we'll even have them on the show and talk about their feelings and their their realities. Yeah, we'd love to have more manufacturers on the show, real, you know, kind of boots on the ground stuff. So that's one of the things we'd love to do is, you know, get, let's get your point of view. Let's get your perspective from the factory floor, the plant itself, uh, your perspective as the CEO or the CFO as you look across your company. Lou? <clears throat> yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, why don't you send your request to H.C. Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, at manufacturingtalkradio.com. Yeah, and we'd be happy to reach back to you. You can go to our website, mfgtalkradio.com, and find a contact us link there, or to jacketmediaco.com, and you'll find a link to this show, Manufacturing Talk Radio. Also, the Women in Manufacturing podcast, Where's Willie with William Miller, traveling the country, talking to manufacturers. We'd love to have more on the show. Hazard Girls about women in unusual roles in business and manufacturing, and Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman. You can also find us on c-suite.com. They have C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. We're on both, as well as your favorite podcast platform to listen to us, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or any of those. So stay tuned. Tune in often, Lou. Happy New Year to you and all of our listeners. Happy New Year to all of you. And I, I, I have a rule. I don't say Happy New Year anymore after January 6th because it gets ridiculous when people on January 30th are wishing you a Happy New Year. So January 6th, you want to wish me a Happy New Year and get a return, I'll be happy to do it. The 6th, it's over. <laughs> and as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.